Turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians 14. You know, we've been going through the book chapter by chapter. Last Wednesday night, I believe, we studied chapter 13. I show you a more excellent way, the way of love. Now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three, the greatest of these is love. In chapter 12, he had listed the spiritual gifts. Those gifts are mentioned in Romans chapter 12. They're mentioned in Ephesians, and they're mentioned in 1 Corinthians. The only one of the gifts that's mentioned in all three of those lists is the gift of prophecy, which means preaching or soul winning or witnessing. But he says, if we don't do that in love, we're just like a sounding gong, tinkling cymbal, full of sound and fury signifying nothing. And so we need to earnestly covet the best gift, that's the gift of love. And the only way to get that gift is to ask God for it. Most of us are naturally selfish. Matter of fact, we probably all are. That's the great sin, S-I-N. The I in that word is the problem. And we want our own way. We want to do what we want to do. And not until we receive Christ and our whole direction is directed toward heaven. We become citizens of heaven. And so we can pray, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, but thine be done. And then we can get into the work of the Spirit of God. Now remember in Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 5, verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. There are several things we need to mention about this uh, work of being filled with the Spirit as we begin tonight. Number one, we're baptized by the Holy Spirit when we're saved. 1 Corinthians 12 makes that clear. There's one faith, one Lord, and one baptism. That's not about talking about water baptism. It's talking about spiritual baptism. There's only one. You're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. If nobody, if you do not have the Spirit of God, if you've not been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, then you don't belong to Christ. You're not His. And so that's very clear in, in these teachings. Secondly, the personal experiences we have with the Lord sometimes are very personal. And one cannot say to another, you didn't have that experience. If it was real to him, it's real, you know. I don't know how many of you were here the night Miss Lucy Kennedy was baptized. She came up shouting out of the water. Why well, would it be absurd to say, Miss Lucy, you didn't shout. She did, and I heard her. But by the same token, we couldn't say, it's the will of God for every one of you to shout. If the Lord gives you that shout, well, do it. <laughs> if not, don't fake it. If it's real, praise the Lord. Nothing wrong with shouting. But the scripture does not tell the preacher to preach that everybody should shout. Now, I want to say the same thing about tongues. If a person tells me they have spoken in tongues, I can't say they didn't. Neither can you.
If they say they did it, we can't say they didn't. By the same token, we cannot get up and preach that everybody needs to speak in tongues because the Spirit of God doesn't say that. The Word of God doesn't say that. Matter of fact, the Scripture says just the opposite. If you'll turn back to uh, chapter 12 just a moment and look at verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? What's the obvious answer to that? No. See? So for anybody to tell you, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved, you just know immediately they, they haven't read the Scripture. Because it specifically says, obviously, they're not all going to do that. Now, when Paul comes to this, this Corinthian problem, Corinthian church, it was a problem church. In chapter 3, verse 1, he said, I could not write unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. Now, carnal is a term that, is, that could be used to refer to two groups of people. Number one, babes in Christ who have just gotten saved, they don't know anything. Every one of us was a babe in Christ at one time. When I got saved, I knew nothing about theology. I knew nothing about these gifts. I didn't know anything except what the preacher was saying. I knew the Spirit of God told me I needed that. And the best way I know how, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And he came in and he's never left me. But I began to read the Bible. I still have the, the Bible that, that was given to me at that time. And I've tried to read it. And I've tried to study it. And I've tried to go and grow in the Lord. When you were first born at the hospital, you were a little baby. But if 10 years later, you're still a little baby, there's a big problem. When you and I are first born again, we're a little babe in Christ. But after we've been saved for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, two years, three years, if we're no, not more like Jesus than we were the day we were born again, there's something wrong. So Paul used that term in 1 Corinthians 3 to refer to two groups of people. First of all, he said, I could not write into you in the spiritual because you're babes in Christ. Then a little bit later, he said, you're still carnal. And he gave illustration after illustration in this book. First of all, they were carnal because they were divided over leaders. Some said, I'm of Cephas. Some said, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. And there was another group that said, no, I'm not of any of those. I'm of Christ. When Paul rebuked them, he said, we're all of Christ. I wasn't baptized for you. You were baptized because of Jesus. Then they were taking each other to court. They were carnal. And Paul said, did you, did you not know the saints shall judge angels? And we're going to judge the earth? Are there not Christians in the church that you could bring your problems before and deal with it there instead of exposing it out so the newspapers pick it all up? They were carnal. And then they were carnal because there was immorality in the church. In chapter 5, there was a man having an affair with his father's wife. Probably not his mother, maybe a stepmother or something. But Paul rebuked them for that. Then they were all mixed up about influence, sins of influence. 
There was meat that was offered to idols. And anybody with any sense knows that meat offered to idols doesn't hurt the meat. That doesn't hurt the meat. Just because you say, I offer this to the idols, the idol is nothing, so it doesn't hurt the meat. But there were Christians in Corinth that said, I've got perfect liberty. If I want to eat that meat that was offered to idols, I'll do it. Paul said, wait a minute. If eating meat offend my brother, I'll eat no meat while the world stands. And he gave us a tremendous principle of influence. He says, you and I have to govern our lives so that we're not just claiming our own liberty. We need to be careful about the spiritual welfare of others. Then they were confused about the Lord's Supper. They had an agape feast like we're going to have next uh, Wednesday night. Sort of a potluck supper where everybody brought food and so on. As I mentioned earlier, uh, the people that could afford to bring the food brought it. And the poor people that couldn't afford to bring anything, uh, they worked hard. Some of them were slaves. Which reminds me in a Baptist church, a person who is a poor person might be sitting right next to a millionaire who are all level, are all the same in God's sight. And that's the way it was supposed to have been there. But what happened is these rich people that got there right on time ate all the food up. And when the poor folks came, there was no food for them. And Paul rebuked them for that. Then they took the Lord's Supper at the end of that agape feast. And they were not in the spirit to take the Lord's Supper because some of them were getting drunk. <laughs> so you see, they were a carnal church. Then you come to... Chapters 12, 13, and 14, they were confused over the gifts. And that confusion lasts till this day. There are still people confused over these gifts. You hear them on television. You uh, read about them in the paper. Maybe you see them, you know, you've watched these preachers that hit somebody on the head and somebody catches them, they fall down, they get healed. That's all a show. They didn't, not a thing scriptural about that. Not a thing. I have a video that I'd like for many of you to see, and I'll show it again in training union some night, on the, the, some of these revivals that take place where that kind of thing goes on. And somebody, one of these famous preachers gets up and blows and everybody falls down and so on. That's not scriptural. That's carnal. Just as carnal as Corinthian was, as the Corinthian church was. Well, we come to the Corinthian church in these gifts of the Spirit in chapter 12. We dealt with it. And at the end of chapter 12, he said, does everybody speak in tongues? No. Then he said, covet the best gifts, but I show you a more excellent way. And in chapter 13, he was talking about the way of love. That's the more excellent way. Then he comes back to this in chapter 14. We don't have time to finish it tonight, but it's an ex exciting chapter. Uh, we'll begin just a little bit. Look in verse 14, chapter 14, verse 1. Follow after charity or love. Remember, he just discussed it in chapter 13. Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Now, isn't that an interesting statement? Follow after love, desire spiritual gifts. Nothing wrong with that. He didn't say you're going to have all the spiritual gifts, but desire them. But he said, rather that you prophesy. Now, prophesy is witnessing. 
It's telling people about Jesus. It's preaching the word. He said, that's the thing we need to do. The rest of this chapter compares prophesying with tongues. The whole chapter deals with that. Now he closes it in verse 40 by saying, let all things be done decently and in order. Now let's follow along in verse two. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now, this is a very wonderful way that Paul deals with this. He doesn't lambast anybody. He doesn't bawl them out. He doesn't fuss at them. He doesn't make fun of them. He says, I just want to tell you, over at Corinth, they're speaking in this uh, tongues. He said, you're not talking to men, you're talking to God. Amen. Now, hold on. Where do we first read about tongues? In the book of Acts, chapter 2. Who were they speaking to there? Men, not God. Those tongues were not a gift so they could talk to God because God understands English and Hebrew and Scandinavian and Spanish and all the other languages. They didn't have to have a special language to talk to God. They were doing that to tell people of all, who had come from all over the world about Jesus. And when Peter stood up to preach that day, 3,000 of them got saved because of the witness of these. So Paul is saying here in, in, uh, to the Corinthian church, do you not remember what you've learned about the Jerusalem Pentecost? There, those tongues were a gift so you could tell people about Jesus. But what's happened to you, you're making of some kind of a language to God. And friend, today, in the churches and groups that speak that major on tongues, that's what they tell you. It's a prayer language. Right or wrong? They're not witnessing to people. Years ago, one of the early uh, ministers that started focusing on tongues discovered that uh, you could speak in tongues and uh, this was a gift of the Spirit. It was sort of a renewed thing to them. They'd forgotten that it happened over and over again through the years. But anyway, he decided that never again would a missionary have to go to a language school because they had the gift of tongues. So when people would surrender to missions, they'd send them out to the mission fields. And they'd say, you go and, and tell them about Jesus. And when they got there, they couldn't talk in those languages. They could just talk in some ecstatic utterance to God. And severe disappointment set in in all those churches because they realized that they still had to go to language school. And the groups that focus on that today, all of their missionaries have to go to language school. Isn't that interesting? So you see, Paul is saying in chapter, verse 2, <clears throat> you need to mark that in your Bible. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit <coughs> in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now hold your finger there and look at verse 22. And this is all we'll have time for tonight. Wherefore tongues are for a sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. 
for prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. So what he's saying is the real purpose of tongues originally was a sign to those that do not believe to tell them about Jesus. And he's saying, Corinthians, that's not what you're doing. Now, our time is going to be up right now, but we'll start here again next time. But this is very, very important to, to notice this. On Wednesday night, much of our Bible deal is, uh, is teaching and uh, instructing in the Word of God, something like we do in Trend Union. And it's very important that you understand this. So study that chapter. We'll come back to it next Wednesday night. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. <coughs> Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide us in the study of the Word. Help us to be careful, not in any way to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, the precious one who has come into our hearts. Help us not to have a critical attitude or a cynical attitude, but help us, Lord, to crave the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we pray that tonight, across our congregation, there would be a hunger in every heart for the things of God, the Word of God, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And may we go from here with a determination that we want to be filled with God, the wonderful Spirit of Jesus. We pray in His name. Amen. What are we singing? 155. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. As the Spirit of God leads you, you do what God tells you. Maybe you need to kneel at the altar. Just uh, humble your heart where you are. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, I plead with you to come to Christ. Trust Him as your Savior. God bless you as we sing.